Hello and welcome to Baylor Connections, a conversation series with the people shaping our future. Each week we go in-depth with Baylor leaders, professors, and more discussing important topics in higher education, research, and student life. I'm Derek Smith, and today we are heading to Italy in a way with Colleen and David Zori. The Zoris are Baylor faculty members whose work takes them far beyond the classrooms in which they teach. Dr. Colleen Zori serves as senior lecturer in the Baylor Interdisciplinary Corps in the Honors College and in the Department of Anthropology, focusing research on the interdependence of political and economic change in past societies. Dr. David Zori serves as Associate Professor of History and Archaeology in the Baylor Interdisciplinary Corps and the Department of History, examining the medieval world with a focus on Vikings in Italy. The Zoris have long conducted research through the San Giuliano Archaeological Research Project in Italy. Baylor students spend six weeks at the site, abandoned before 1300 A.D., through a summer study abroad program. Their work was featured last fall on an episode of the Discovery Channel program Expedition Unknown, and they're with us today on the program. Colleen and David Zori, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Well, great to have you here. This is a different kind of topic uh, than we normally have on the show. I'm assuming for you all, as you interact with other faculty, is it a topic that people are immediately interested in when you tell them what you do? Frequently, people tell us that they wish they were archaeologists, mm-hmm. and we tell them, uh, try to do it in your spare time, perhaps. There you go. <laughs> well, that's great. We're excited to, to dive into this. And if you would, would you take us on a little tour to, to start off? Where would we find the San Giuliano Archaeological Research Project? And once we get there, what kind of things would we see? Well, we'll start off here in central Italy, where Rome is located. And you would travel up north along the coastal plains where Rome is located. And about 50 kilometers to the north, you would take a right and head into the hills of the hinterlands. So it's a volcanic landscape that is really green and verdant and hilly and sort of intersected by lots of rivers that leave behind plateaus atop which people would have lived. In terms of history, uh, the area is really famous for the Etruscan civilization. This is old Etruria. And the landscape there really formed the way that these Etruscans are living in the area with large cities dotting especially the coast and then as you progress inland you have secondary cities emerging. Rome takes over in about 300 BC and you have a sort of depopulation of many of the Etruscan centers as people move closer to the Roman road network. Then in the Middle Ages many of the plateaus and hilltops that the Etruscan cities were built on are reoccupied, and a, a network of castles emerges in this part of central Italy. Well, as you paint that picture of what took place there, what's the significance to you and others? What is it that draws you all there? Well, throughout this two millennia of history, so looking at starting around 800 BC up to about 1300 AD, this area was really the epicenter of a lot of important political processes and events. But counterintuitively, we don't know a lot about what happened there because for a lot of these key periods, we don't have any texts. And so this is where archaeology really excels. We can use the material culture that we recover in these archaeological digs to investigate the processes of sort of the coalescence of this Etruscan culture out of a very diverse Iron Age landscape of of ethnic groups. We can see how the spread of the Roman Empire impacted it, the arrival of the Germanic tribes that sort of is part of the fall of the Roman Empire, and finally how the power of Rome and the papacy 
uh, sort of plays out on this dynamic landscape as cities are emerging and feudal lords are sort of jostling for power uh, in this really dynamic landscape. So the place where we work is it's a borderland. It's a place that's sort of at the margins. It's a contested landscape where the people are coming together from different areas, different cultures, and creating a really vibrant community. Visiting with Colleen and David Zorian, let's let's zoom out a little bit. Each of your research focuses. What is it uh, about the work you do here at Baylor that uh, draws you to this? Well, I'm an anthropological archaeologist. I uh, apply models from the social sciences to sort of generate hypotheses about past behavior. I then apply a variety of scientific techniques to analyze artifacts. Um, asking questions about sort of what raw materials were people using, how they obtained them, what did they make and how did they make it, and what this can tell us about economies and trade connections. I do historical archaeology, so I like the combination of texts and archaeology. In, in this region, it can be difficult because we have to look for texts beyond the region. Again, this is a, a black hole in a sense in the historical period, which makes archaeology that much more important for understanding our region of, of Italy. I look especially at when texts can, I, I usually say the three C's, when they confirm each other, which is interesting. It's a traditional way to do texts in archaeological research. When they contradict each other, it's fascinating because we often have examples of that uh, in archaeology and history. But probably the most interesting is when they complement each other. So you, when you have texts that reveal one aspect about society and then you can get the details from the archaeological materials that we excavate in the field. So I, in that sense, we're telling history, but through material culture. We're going to talk about uh, the dig, what you what you find there, uh, what, uh, what what it looks like, what tools you use as we visit with Colleen and David Zori. So let's uh, let's go back to that uh, a little bit. The backstory on this: How did you first uh, become involved with the dig? And again, we're talking about the San Giuliano Archaeological Research Project. I'm half Danish and half Italian, so I've been doing most of my archaeological work in Scandinavia, but I always wanted to get to Italy and, and do an excavation I've been fascinated by, especially the medieval period of, of Italy. When I got to Baylor, I met some other Italophiles. Uh, Alden Smith from the Classics Department was already running a study abroad program in Italy. Uh, my dean at the time in the Honors College, Tom Hibbs, uh, loves Italy as, as well. And getting together with them, they suggested we try to start a, a research-driven study abroad program in, in Italy. And, and Dean Hibbs funded a little research trip for me where I was traveling around in, in central Italy looking for the perfect site to, to do an excavation. And um, we found it in this place called Barbarano Romano, which is a small community, about 1,000 people, that uh, lives, again, like Colleen said, about an hour outside of, of Rome. And it is a marginalized place that has always been, both in the past and still remains today, a marginalized area. And if we return for a moment to what's the significance of the dig, um, I like to think about the stakeholders in archaeology. It's more than just the research and the scientific information, which Colleen described just a minute ago, but other stakeholders are the local community that we are helping to salvage, salvage their uh, cultural traditions, their history. For instance, we're developing a local museum there uh, with them. 
the interest in tourism has increased in the area since we've been there. So this brings tourists there to an area that is economically depressed. So it's something that we were proud of involving our students in, in both helping to save cultural heritage, but also the economic development for, for the town is, is significant. Um, even beyond Italy, I think we, we are proud to spread the information about the Etruscan civilization, for instance, which is, is not as widely known as we think it perhaps should be. So things like you mentioned, Expedition Unknown, we're able to share that through big media. And right now we're trying to develop in, uh, at Baylor a, um, an exhibit as part of the Mayborn Museum cool. that would feature our project and, again, feature the student research that uh, we're so happy to be bringing to the field. Visiting with Colleen and David Zori, and as we pictured this, I think it's easy for most of us who aren't involved, haven't ever been on a dig, to think about the action, the digging, the the discovery. Could you tell us a little bit about what goes into a project like this to do it right that maybe maybe most of us wouldn't picture, we wouldn't anticipate? Well, I can I can jump in first. Uh, one of the things is I rarely actually get to dig. I love digging. I love excavating, but for me, running a project is so much about logistics. And that logistics is year-round, applying for permissions to, to do the excavations, filing reports. And in the field, I do I run around talking to Italians, figuring out where the lunches are going to come from, how we're all going to eat dinner. And uh, they actually, several years running, I've, I've won the award of the, quote, cleanest archaeologist uh, in the field. It's not really uh, meant to be a, a positive for the uh, the students sort of joke around with mm-hmm. me that I never get to actually do any real work. I follow, yeah. Okay. Yeah. For me, I love the fact that archaeology is, perhaps we could think of it sort of as a, as a parasite science because we really draw on technologies usually developed in other fields besides archaeology that have a little bit more money, so the oil industry or the military. Uh, so this includes things like drones that we use for photographing and mapping. Uh, we use X-ray fluorescence machines to uh, basically study. We can zap artifacts and tell what the chemical composition of things are. We use 3D scanning to create models from you know everything from structures of chamber tombs all the way down to single artifacts or human bones. So Archaeology may seem like a dirty, dusty process. Uh, it, it often is, except for David, of course. Uh, but we're really bringing into play really cutting-edge technology, and it's exciting to see the way that archaeology has been uh, really advancing in that way. So as you use these tools, as, uh, as you dig, what, what, uh, what are you looking for? What are the, the things that uh, leap out to you that you want to take a look at? So as Colleen said, we're studying kind of long-term change processes. So from about 800 B.C. to 1300 A.D., how the people lived in the landscape, how that changed, how they buried their dead. And there's so many shifts that we can study through through archaeology. So we're dealing with, with uh, from 800 B.C. to 1300, where the two peaks of, um, of habitation that we see is the Etruscans. So they had a city on top of a plateau, and that city is encircled by a necropolis, a city of the dead. And uh, after that city gets uh, depopulated, it's re-inhabited in the Middle Ages, uh, and um, a settlement grows up around there. We are in the, in the Etruscan period, we're looking for chamber tombs, these, these large house-like tombs that they carved into the volcanic rock. So when you enter into them, they go in through like a doorway. 
And you can, when you look up, you'll see the, the slope of the roof that they've carved into the rock. And on either side, there are two beds where they laid the dead. And in the back of the tomb, there's most commonly a niche where they would lay the, the grave offerings for, for the dead to bring into the, the afterlife. If we then progress from the, the city of the, of the dead, that's the necropolis, up into the, the, the hilltop or the plateau of San Giuliano, we are still looking for, um, for the Etruscan city. And that's actually where Colleen is leading an open area excavation. Yeah, so we will be continuing our search for the Etruscan town. But what we found was that the medieval people seem to have put their defensive castle right on top of the highest point of the plateau, which makes the most sense defensively. So what we have there, it's definitely a castle of the type that would have been called um, Castrum or Castello in the Latin sources from the Middle Ages. But it's not exactly like what you would think of as sort of a Disney castle or a thing you've seen in a movie. So it's sort of deconstructed. So there's, there is a moat, it's a dry moat, and a wall that goes around the outside with defensive gates. There's a tower, but it's separate then from a chapel and a feasting hall, all of which are sort of contained within this area. And that feasting hall uh, has been a really exciting place to excavate. We found lots of artifacts that give us insight into what people were doing there. So we find animal bones that tell us about the meat that they were eating, a lot of it. We find crystal uh, pieces of glass and crystal that tell us they were drinking wine. We find uh, dice and little silver pennies that tell us they were probably gambling and even playing the sort of newly introduced game of chess. So we get a lot of insight into the type of things that were taking place there. It was also an imminently military site. So we also find a lot of evidence of horseshoes and uh, bits of tack and nails for the horseshoes. So um, tell us about their horses. We also have uh, bodkin points, which are long metal iron points that are basically designed for penetrating uh, chainmail armor. So, you know, this was a, a functional site. It was a site that was used by the elite people in society. But at the same time, it was also a defensive site where even battles may have been fought. This is Baylor Connections. We are visiting with Colleen and David Zori from the Baylor Interdisciplinary Corps in the Honors College at Baylor. And they're part of the San Giuliano Archaeological Research Project that we're talking about on the program today. And you, know, you are both involved. We're going to talk about students in a minute, but are there other colleagues, faculty members at Baylor who are part of this with you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it all started, as I said before, with, uh, with Dean Hibbs, uh, former Dean Hibbs, and uh, Alden Smith from Classics. And then we got the blessing of uh, Vice Provost for Global Engagement, uh, Jeff Hamilton, Lori Baker, formerly from Anthropology, uh, got involved. And, and, uh, and then once I, I agreed to, to, to start the project, then I was looking around for, you know, who's the smartest people I know? And, and then I started with my wife. Good, always a good call. <laughs> yeah. Our project is really, truly interdisciplinary as archaeological research should be. And so we've incorporated people from many different departments at, at Baylor into this research. So there's, of course, the Honors College where David and I are housed and his affiliation with history, my affiliation with anthropology. Uh, we also have Dr. Georgia Fulton from Religion, who is our zooarchaeologist. So she analyzes our animal bones. Uh, Dr. James Fulton from Geology, who helps us to decipher the geology of the region and also carry out some of those chemical analyses that we were talking about. 
Uh, we've also been working with the Mayborn Museum, museum uh, particularly Trey Crumpton, who's also part of the museum studies program. So who will assist us with conservation and study and presentation of, of all of those findings. And this year, we're fortunate to add uh, three new excellent scholars who will be adding a great deal to our research. So we have Joe Ferraro and Katie Benetti from Anthropology, who will help run our lab. And then from Art History, Geraldine Morrison, who's a pottery expert. So this really Thank is a, a Baylor project. Yeah, very, uh, very comprehensive. What about students? What role do they play? Well... They really are student researchers, so they're incorporated immediately into our research team. They're part of a study abroad program that fits under this interdisciplinary and international research project, and they work directly alongside specialists uh, and professors from Baylor, like we've discussed, but also from universities across the U.S. and Europe. So in this way, they gain uh, a lot of perspective on the sort of diversity of, of, of disciplines and scholars who bring these sort of parts in, and they really are creating data. They're being they're pro- the front line, really, in many ways, of trying to understand the past, and they're, they're active in this process. Yeah, to that, uh, I'd add also that in sort of in the best way as a study abroad program, we, these students are also taking themselves out of their typical comfort zones and moving into a small village of about 1,000 people, working side by side with people from the village, eating with them, in the in the evening, and I think that it really enriches the experience. Yes, they're tr- we're training the next generation of archaeologists, but we're also giving them what I consider a rich cultural experience. And really importantly here too for me is that we're giving something tangible back to the local community in developing the museum and helping them to attract interest in tourism in the area. Makes a lot of sense. Now that's great. Very cool as we visit with David and Colleen Zori. So we get in the final few minutes of the program. I want to ask you about Expedition Unknown, a pretty cool deal uh, last fall and a program on the Discovery Channel that uh, if people want to just Google it or go to Discovery Plus, they can they can find. So how did you how did you get connected? How did they become how did they become a part of, of the story here? Yeah, it's sort of funny. We um, applied for a, a grant from the Explorers Club in the Discovery Channel that uh, we got, and part of of that grant application uh, was actually uh, making a video, which, uh, Derek, I think you helped us to mm-hmm. to set up. Uh, Alyssa Edwards, I believe, was helping us to That's make right, that yeah. video. And so that turned out pretty well. They saw our material at Expedition Unknown, the production company called Ping Pong, saw um, the video and, and read our project, and they contacted us and they were interested in maybe doing a show. And so I didn't have a, a great amount of interest at first. I was going, I don't know how this is going to go. But uh, in talking to the producers, it was really clear that they wanted to tell a good story and they um, they had quality as, at the forefront of, of their production because we've all seen things of dubious quality on, on Discovery and History Channel. But this was different in my mind. This was sort of a... Uh, another way to do it, and we agreed right away that was you know we we would follow the archaeology, and of course they had some interest in in uh, in creating some some action shots, mm-hmm. um, but uh, overall I, I was very happy to work with them. They funded our project a little bit more, got us involved with a group that does lidar uh, surveys, so we were able to again apply another new technology to to the field that we would not have been able to. to without them. And I have to say, since finishing the program, we've gotten tons of emails and interest from from people around the world saying, you know, this was sort of neat. I never knew about the Etruscans. Now I know. And they're interested. So we're proud of, of the of the of the work we did with them. 
So what kind of what were the big questions they uh, they asked? What was it that as they told the story, was there anything that leaped out to you that they were really looking for? Well, like I said, they like the action shots. So mm-hmm. uh, if you do watch the program, there's a there's a scene that I pitched to them, not knowing what the outcome was going to be. They said, "Well, isn't there some kind of uh, something we can do with with Josh Gates that where he likes to get into these situations that appear a little bit uh, dicey or or dangerous?" And I said, "Well, there is an underground sewer system underneath this Etruscan city that we could explore. We could also crawl into some of these previously looted tombs that are, are kind of claustrophobic." So we did that. We got him inside one of the tombs. And and I went in with him there gladly. Um, now, I have a terrible fear of heights. And so I had no intention of going out over this cliff that's a couple hundred feet uh, down to the bottom. And you have to you kind of you have to repel off of the side to get into this underground sewer system, essentially. And um, so I was thinking, that's great. He can go do that uh, by himself. But they refused to do it without my participation. Boy. So I spent a day learning how to repel, and it, I mean, it was terrifying. So if you watch the show, okay. the fear in my eyes there is as palpable. Are you glad you did it? Uh, no, really, no. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you could say you've done it now. That's right. That's, cool. That's right. Yeah. Conquering your fears. Absolutely. Well, as we we wind down here, again, people can find that uh, online or Discovery Plus if you just Google uh, Expedition Unknown. And Colina David, what, what's ahead? What are you most looking forward to? I mean, this isn't a project that I assume just has a nice, tidy ending. There's a lot you can continue to find. Absolutely. We'll be back in the summer of 2023, again, with Baylor students and our complement of, of research collaborators. Uh, I'll be overseeing the excavation of a chapel that we think is ex- uh that sort of alongside this crypt where we've been finding burials and then there's more graves outside of that. So uh, we'll also be with the help of the some of those technologies, including ground penetrating radar. We're going to be excavating in an area that looks like it has buildings underground that may be that elusive Etruscan town that we've been looking for. And in the necropolis uh, among the, the Etruscan tombs, the end of last season, we came down on a, a tumulus, which is a, a grave, but it's carved into the side of the, the hillside. It's kind of like a step pyramid, so about two to three layers of steps. And uh, we found that just as usual with archaeology, finding stuff right at the end of the season. We found it at the end of last season. So we're excited to get into this tumulus and see what's inside. Well, that's exciting. We'll look forward to that and hopefully finding the city. Hopefully there's some cameras uh, at some point once you see so we can all see what's what's in there. Like this has been a fun topic, uh, a lot that I think most of us really have little idea about. Thank you so much for taking the time to share with us. Oh, thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks, Derek. Great to have you with us today. Uh, Colleen and David Zori, our guests today on Baylor Connections. I'm Derek Smith. A reminder, you can hear this and other programs online, baylor.edu slash connections, and you can subscribe to the program on iTunes. Thanks for joining us here on Baylor Connections.